Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Just jot it down. It'll come on the screen. Jesus said to them, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Just turn to the neighbour next to you and just say that very thing. With man, this might seem impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now today's morning feels different and today's ministry will be a little different because it's going to be directional and visionary in spirit. But as I said, hopefully even if you are here for the first time, you'll catch the heart of God for you and you will also see, feel and hear the heart of this church for the neighbours and for the nations. So I wonder if you're ready to go on a run with me. We're going to be direct, but we're going to go steady. And we're also hopefully going to have good pace. Is that okay? Great. So get your running shoes on, ready. We're going to go for it. Because the word for the year, which we'll, we'll minister into, we're going to talk about a lot more, is the whole thought of multiply. I want to say this, the Bible encourages us to not despise prophecy. Not despise prophecy. Now, if you're here for the first time, I don't even know what that word means. Basically, this is a prophecy is where God speaks to a group of people directly. And this can often come through God's word. It can come through an impression on our hearts. It can also come through others that actually speak as, as Phil was bringing the, 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 the worship side, the singing of songs to God, he just began to prophesy. And if, you, and if you had a heart that was open, you heard the prophetic word that began to flow, uh, flow forth. And that's how God speaks to us. There's words, there's images, there's pictures that God's, God gives to us. So what I want to say is, in this word multiply, this is a prophetic word for the year. It might go beyond the year, but it's certainly for this year. Genesis 1 verse 22 and Genesis 9 verse 7 say similar things. And this is what God says to the people in the early days of creation. He says to them, be fruitful and multiply. And then Genesis 9 verse 7, it says, be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Now, we haven't got time to go into fruitful. All I would encourage you to do is listen to last month's first Tuesday teaching where I shared around the whole thought of fruitful. How can we set ourselves up for multiplication? Well, we do it by addressing fruitful. The way that I look at this is fruitful is something that we do. Multiply is something God does. That's really important. Fruitful is something we do. Multiply is something God does. I'll give a little bit more of an understanding to that. Let me say it another way. Fruitful is natural. Multiply is supernatural. Why do I say fruitful is something we can do? Well, I think we can create environments for growth, for fruitfulness. You see, all healthy things grow. I haven't got to force our children to grow. If we place them with healthy environments, let them sleep, let them eat, let them exercise, 
If we look after them, then what will happen? They will begin to grow. And some of you have had big strapping lads and you think, I wish they'd stop growing because they're eating us out of house and home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but you know, that happens. You just have to create a healthy environment and it's a natural thing that happens. You see, fruitful is something we can all walk in. We really can. If we endeavour to just give ourselves to those areas of health in our lives, in our walk with Jesus, there will be fruitfulness. There will be an aroma. There'll be a good fragrance from our lives. I think some of the things that we can do in the life of the church that enables fruitfulness is unity and togetherness or an alignment of heart and vision. There's something about people coming together. Psalm 133 says, it's good and pleasant when people dwell together in unity. There's something lovely about that unified heart and togetherness, that alignment that happens. We know it in churches. We also know it in homes, don't we? We know it in schools. We know it in businesses. If there's a division, then there's trouble. But when there's a unified vision, togetherness is pretty awesome and pretty wonderful. I love a thought that Phil shared recently on our uh, weekly news that comes through directly through uh, the, the, the uh, email to, to your inbox. And if you'd like to receive that, you just need to fill out a connect card at the end and uh, we'll make sure that you get that. But he great, gave this great thought that, that has lived in me, that unity creates synergy. Unity creates synergy. The Bible says one chases a thousand, but two tens of thousands. As we unify our hearts together, there's a synergy that takes place and it's awesome. So there's unity, there's a togetherness. But I also think another thing that we can do to enable fruitfulness is to create a fun factor. I love to give flowers and chocolates away. I love to light candles. I love to have balloons on the front. I love to have a party. Anybody here like partying? Why don't you put your... You're a boring bunch of... You're not invited to my party then. Put your hand if you like a party. There we go. There we go. Fun. You know, churches that laugh together grow together. You know, churches that eat together get fat together. Just that whole sense of togetherness. You know, we want church to be fruitful. We want it to be fun. We want it to be life-giving. I want you to walk away from here saying, it was good to have that hour and a half in church this morning. That did me good. Anybody ever experienced that in church? It did me good. It's like a good tonic that just does, I didn't say gin and tonic, I said a good tonic. It's full of life. It's full of joy. It's full of love. It's full of hope. Can I just encourage us, let's commit to these things. Those who are taking notes, they seem to be all on the front row. Let's, let's commit. Let's use a word, two words. Let's commit. Let's commit to unity. Let's commit to having fun and enjoying one another's company. And this fruitfulness creates an environment because let me take you back to Genesis where it says be fruitful and multiply if we will create an environment for fruitfulness this is what we can do then God will do the multiplication and this is what he does with man this is impossible with God all things are possible because multiply for me speaks of 
a, a, a sense in which something increases greatly. It's an exponential growth. It's beyond maths. You can't add it out. It's not two add two. It's, there's the times, there's the X in the middle. It just goes beyond. And that is what we are looking at. And this is what we are saying. God, prophetically, we believe you are saying this to us. Multiplication doesn't make sense. But God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Can I hear it? Just one amen. It's true. It's true. God does the immeasurably more. But he's looking for people who are capable and trustworthy to steward such growth. And I think we've been on a journey over the last 90 years to show that there's been a group of people we're positioned here where we're saying, God, we're doing all we can to create fruitfulness from our lives, to live a life that honours you, to not being fake, because that's exhausting, but to just being real. But there's a genuine, and I felt it this morning, genuine leaning into God, you know, to see the hands lifted, reaching out to God, a genuine heartfelt, we want you, God. That's the kind of environment that God looks for. And he says, these are the people who can steward multiplication. But I think there's four things that I think is important we understand when we talk about multiplication. First of all, I think we need to believe and see. I could spend an hour on each of these. I'm not about to because I'm conscious of the, of the time, but we can believe and we can see. Isaiah 43, and I'd encourage you to read it for yourself from verse 16, I think, to about around verse 22. Very, very well-known verses. But here we see God saying to the people at that time, he says, listen to me, I've made a way in the desert for you. I parted the sea. I did some amazing things for you. This is like verse 16-ish. But I want to now encourage you, forget the former things. Forget the good and forget the bad. Forget those things that have delayed you. Forget those things that have discouraged you. Forget those things that have distracted you. Forget those things that you've completely messed up and got it wrong. Forget those things. Why? See, I'm doing a new thing. Some of you, honestly, you need to hear this. This is the word of the Lord for you. See, I am wanting to do a new thing. Some of you immediately in conversations that you have automatically go back to the old thing. And you'll do that with whoever you're talking with. I want to encourage you to stop that conversation and begin to believe that God is wanting to do a new thing. Can I hear an amen? See, I am doing a new thing. The Bible says, though it springs up, do you not perceive it? Some of you, when you come to prayer, I believe, as I was here, I just was thinking about the notes and I felt God say to me, some of you, as you open up your hearts in prayer, are going to begin to see a new thing. You're going to begin to see it in the spirit realm. God is going to begin to show you new pictures, new thoughts, new words, as your heart is opened to him. 
And this is the environment for God to do the multiplication effect as we press in, as we allow Him on the inside of us and as we begin to believe and see what God is doing. I had the joy of being in the ministry school and teaching in it. I want to tell you and echo what Julie said. It was, not because I was teaching, it was a fantastic environment. Phil and the guys have done an incredible job. Anybody who wants to get on in ministry needs to go through the ministry school. It's remarkable. And I was just talking about vision and how it develops. And for me, it develops on the inside as I'm beginning and as I believe and see, as I allow my spirit to just connect with God, with the language of the Spirit, through the Word of God, through meditation on God's Word. As I look at the state of the, the nations and the nations, something begins to happen in my spirit. And as we begin to see things, visionary things, then God begins to say, again, these are the kind of people we can trust. And they're the people who see the valley of dry bones. And they're the people that I'm wanting to raise up who are going to speak to those valley of dry bones and say, bones live again. And the breath of God will begin to come in. We've got to have some people in this day and generation in the United Kingdom who will believe that God is going to pour out His Spirit again and again and again on the four corners of the British Isles, England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales for his glory, for his praise. Secondly, multiplication, when I think about it, I think it comes out of a cold, dark, cutting back season. This is where multiplication happens. If you've been in a cold, dark, cutting back season, just give me a wave. Please be transparent. Yeah. You are being positioned for multiplication. You are being positioned for what God wants to do. If you'll have your heart open. John 15. Jesus says that my gardener, the gardener, God the Father comes and he will cut off us that which has produced fruit so it can produce more fruit. And those areas where we've not produced fruit, he'll cut away so we'll begin to produce fruit. There's a sense in which God is saying that I'm going to cut wherever you've been. And often I realise that when those seasons are difficult, this is exactly where God wants us to be. Because the New Testament church had just gone through its darkest days. Its leader, Jesus, who we're going to be talking a lot about more, more so over the Easter series. We're going to talk to you about who is this man. I'd encourage you to get your friends, get your relatives, because something began to birth in me this morning just as I was praying about the revealing of Jesus. I want to reveal Jesus to Wilkeston. I want to reveal Jesus to Mansfield. I want to tell them who this Jesus is because he's the most misunderstood, most controversial, most, you know, they just don't know. I want want the church to tell him who he is. And he's still alive. And he's still at work. And he's the most forgiving man who ever walked the earth. He's the most loving man who ever walked the earth. And the New Testament church had just lost him. In their minds, where have you gone? He just rose from the grave and then he's gone back to his father. And he felt really dark. It felt really difficult. But I want to tell you, it's out of that dark, cold, difficult, cutting back season, the multiplication began to happen. He had to go so the Holy Spirit could be poured out and could be manifest in every heart. And it's interesting, Phil reminded me of this. 
Because the, the Luke, who was forensic in his approach, who wrote the book of Acts, he was forensic in the numbers that he used. So we see in Acts chapter 2, he notes that 3,000 men responded to the gospel call. And then he goes on that there was 120 people previously in the upper room. And then he says people were getting saved daily. But when we come to Acts chapter 6, just a few chapters later, this is what it says in verse 1. This is Luke forensic in his number counting. He was like Julie with her figures, with a a laptop, wanting to check it all out. And this is what he says. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying... He couldn't count it. It was uncountable what God was beginning to do. It was exponential growth out of a dark, cold season. God began to do the immeasurably more. Am I the only one excited by this? Oh, five of us. I'm going to say, am I the only one who's excited? This is what God wants to do, not just in arena, but in your life. He's looking for a group of people who will believe it. Number three. I think it's important that we understand that we need to just carry on our business. Strange point, I guess, but just came out of, again, a journey. Some of us are too busy focused on what God is doing with others and what God is doing in their life and what they have and how God is blessing them that they then miss what he wants to do in their life. Stop focusing on what everybody else is doing. I, I rejoice that, you know, there's thousands of people pouring into Vineyard, that's pouring into Heart Church. I rejoice that with the fact that New Horizons have just opened up a new church building. I rejoice in the fact that this church is being planted here, there and everywhere. But that's their journey, guys. We celebrate them. We don't want to criticise them. We want to add fuel to them. But God wants to do something in our lives. In our lives, amongst us. That's where he's working. And I'm genuine in in that. You know, very genuine. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be living out of competition or comparison. But I believe that we will see multiplication if we will focus on what God is doing in our lives. I love the fact that Joseph, a character in the Bible, I'd encourage you to just look at his life. He was just focused on what, it was him and God. And at the right time, God came to a prison and lifted him up and exalted him above everybody else. That was God's doing. That was God who brought multiplication. And the leader actually said to him, to Joseph, it's all yours. You govern however you want to govern. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph was not, you know, in a prison, moaning, groaning, looking, well, how come the cupbearer and all the rest of it, you know, they didn't look after me, did they? And I, I've done nothing wrong. No, 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 just stayed focused. Focus, God, what are you doing? What are you wanting to teach me in this? Some of you are having tough times. I, I'm a real pastoral word. Suck it up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, we want it, and you need groups to walk through with you because that's not very pastoral. I understand. I'm doing it for effect because we do want to get around you. But you know, sometimes God, it's what God's doing in you because of what He wants to get out of you, and what He's going to do in you is preparing you for the next point of what God wants to do through you. Does that all make sense? Let's sit down, Joseph. New name now. 
Carry on your business. Stay focused. Lastly, I love this. Embrace the impossible. As this is where God is found. If you want to know where God is, look for an impossible situation. Why would God be somewhere where it's possible? He's God. If you can do it, why does he need to be there? If you can do it in your own strength, why does God need to even be around it? I honestly believe in my life more and more and more, I am finding God in the impossible situations. This is really now raw, pouring out of me. It's in the impossible situations that I'm finding God. In prayer, I'm finding God in those impossible situations because that's where God is. That's where God dwells. That's where God resides. That's where he's wanting to meet with us. And that is why we see from Genesis through to Revelations, there was hardships, there was difficulties. And then God says, now you need me. And I'm here, guys. I'm here. And what I want to do is amazing. In the summer of last year, I was reading through the book of Hosea. Strange book because Hosea the prophet is encouraged to go and marry a very, very promiscuous wife. And there's prophetic pictures that run through it. But towards the end of the book, we see that God speaks through the prophet, renouncing, judge, renouncing them for the ways that they lived, pronouncing judgment over them. But we see Hosea chapter 14. And again, just write it down from verses 5 to 7. really struck me massively. And because of time, I'm not going to go through it all. But basically, God was saying, listen... In the impossible context of this nation and where you are presently positioned, where there's no fruitfulness, where there's no increase, where you're being, you know, you know, bound by everybody, this is where I'm going to break in. And I'm going to break in because I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you like that cedar of Lebanon that's tall and strong. I'm going to make you reproductive. You're going to produce young shoots. I'm going to cause you to have a fragrance that will run through the whole part of you like a cedar of Lebanon does. This fragrance that runs through every part of the tree's pore and it makes it resistant from insect pestilence and decay. This is what God was saying. He then said, this tree, you are going to be a blessing to others because people again will dwell under your shade. It was a prophetic picture to me last summer of where God works in the impossible. God, that is where we find God and that is where God breaks in. And if I can just say something, I believe that this is where arena, where we're positioning ourselves to. We want to forever reach for the impossible. We want to ever reach for the unbelievable. We want to ever believe that God can do the immeasurably more in and through our lives, through His power that is at work within us. I want to believe that some of you can have unusual promotions. Some of you are going to carry children and you never thought it was possible. Some of you are going to see sickness come away from your life because God breaks in. Some of you are going to cause your businesses to go from this level to another level. Anybody with me this morning? I really believe it. I'm not just talking about the church. You are the church. We want to get you blessed. But we have to position ourselves. And it's where God meets us in those impossible situations. And I believe if we'll walk in those areas, then I think we can fully expect God, okay? Dave keeps saying, when David and Jeanette joined us, he's used this language all all the time, which is, I just love it. He says it's an adventure. And they signed up for an adventure, and I'm signed up for it as well. Me and Carol, anybody else signed up for an adventure? 
Yeah, I, I want the adventure of God. Some of the things that God is going to call us to, to believe for quickly is we're believing for leaders to emerge. What can you do? Call forth leaders. North, south, east and west. We need way more leaders to emerge. Leaders to emerge from here and leaders for people who are going to come and help us. Secondly, we've got to call forth those who are far away from God and prodigals to return. Who here has a prodigal? Who has a family member who once knew God and is now far away from God? Just raise your hand. We've got to believe they're going to return in Jesus' name. Yeah, are you with me? We're going to believe. Who knows? Who's got some unchurched friends and family and people around them who never knew the Lord? Just raise your hand. Come on. We'll, right, we're going to believe. As we call forth from Isaiah 43 again, we're going to believe that they're going to return. He's going to call those sons and daughters from afar. These are some of the things that we can begin to do. And I just pray you get it in your spirit realm when you're in prayer. We're believing for salvations and baptisms. If you have never been baptised, you need to get baptised. It's your next step. And and by the way, Phil wouldn't be aware of this. I think we've already got half a dozen people ready to be baptised. So come on, let's break through 12 into 12 and 15. Yeah, come on, let's, let's believe. If you're as nervous as, as heck about talking, you don't need to be. We'll just say, do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Are you committed to serving him? Yeah, I'm committed to serving him. Great, let's get him in the water. <laughs> if you've never given your life to Jesus... Stop wasting your life. There's a boldness of faith on me in this moment. You're wasting your life in other things. Give yourself fully to Jesus. Some of you are trying to find out, make sense of your life. You need to get on a growth track. That's where you'll know God, find freedom. You'll discover your purpose and you'll make a difference. Honestly, one of the delights of my life is seeing people come to faith, but also seeing purpose unlocked. You know, there's gold in all of your lives. I was with a couple on Friday. We just said to them, me and Caroline, there's gold in your lives. Our job is to try and get it out of you. Stop playing around with the coal. So you have to go digging. I don't know whether I've got it right. Is the coal with gold? Anyway, but you know what I mean? Stop faffing around with dirt, muck. Go for gold. There's gold in every single one of us. And we're believing that the people are going to come to faith and people are going to be released because we want to touch, get this phrase, our neighbours and the nations. Yeah. Neighbours and the nations. We're going to touch our neighbours. Ilkeston and Mansfield. Can we believe for an outpouring of grace upon this town, upon this area, this M1 corridor? Can we believe for it? Can we believe for fires to be lit? Not just in this church, but churches around this area. Why can't East Midlands be on the news for all the right things? God doing something. Wow, what is happening? Queuing up. I love, we were up there with Acoustic Cafe. We drove up. There was lines of people outside in my heart. I thought, I want this Lord in the church. I want this in the, I remember going to Hillsong London in the early days. They were lined out the, the driveway. God, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. In every service, in every part of what we do, young people pouring in, loads of kids, neighbours, but also the nations. Great to get a report from Phil and Andy about what God's doing in Romania, about what God's doing in Slovakia and Albania and Toulouse. We want to touch the neighbours. We want to touch 
the nations. Julie did say two other buildings. We took David and, David and Jeanette on to give a lead for Balper. Listen to me, some of you need to step up into this pioneering journey. Yeah. You're involved, but come on. Yeah. Let's go again for 12 months. You need to go and see them afterwards and say, I'm in. You know, I'll hand some, I'll hand some sheets out. I'll, 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 I'll set some, pack some chairs away. I'll do, I'll do, I'll pray. I'll do whatever I need to do. Just a pioneering journey. And we want to believe that we're going to get to a Sunday gathering as well. But we've been given a building. Pound a year. One pound a year. Oh, about five of you. Phil and I went to have a look at it. And David came with us cracking we need to do a bit of work some of you might say I can do a bit of gardening a bit of painting go and talk to David we're going to need to but it's nice really nice it's unusual there's no pigeons in it or rats or it's dead unusual for us it's a really really nice building it'll serve us well that's a miracle that's multiplication all I will say because this could take me a lot longer and then we're praying we're thinking through we're launching into the hub Lisa and a team, we're getting on with the Hub campus. There's going to be probably, well, there's going to be a midweek service, full church. So if you can't get on a Sunday, you can get on a, for example, Wednesday afternoon, you can go to the church, same preaching, worship. We're just going to go for it. And we're going to believe for many, many people gathered to that church, baptisms and all those kinds of things as well, which is wonderful. We're setting that up ready. So that's number two. We're already on with Toulouse. Patrick and Lucille will be in Mansfield next week with us. They're flying in. I was with them. 40, 50 people. They're already going now to a, to a weekly gathering in France. Yeah. Awesome. And if some of you want to go in, 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 in France, then we can, set, we can set it up. I can tell you some nice places to go and eat. And Seriously, you can have a great time with them. Okay. That's number three. We want to look at this. And then I, I am going to say it. I'm just going to go for it, Phil. Oh, it is. Sorry. Yeah. Nottingham. Let me just say very, very quickly, we weren't looking for this. We've got a, a, a son of the, the city. It was on our hearts. We've had it on our hearts for years, this M1 corridor. And all I can see is, say is through a set of circumstances, a guy has come to us who's got a building in the centre of Nottingham. A church building in the centre of Nottingham. That will seat about 120, 130 people, but it's on three levels. That's on the first level, then there's a basement, then there's a ground floor. In Hockley, right in Hockley. And it's, it's probably, he was saying about 40 grand. If it went commercial, it'd be at least 50 grand, but church-wise, 40 grand. Six grand is willing to take for it. We're paying him six grand a year. Six grand a year, 100 pound a week. We put out what you want and I put a proposal through. I said, no, we're willing to pay this. I give him every reason for him to say no. We just feel that God's saying yes. We don't know who's going to go. We don't know what we're going to do. We have got a sense of what what God wants to do, but we don't know who's going to go with us because we want the people to be committed to Belper. We want people to be committed to the hub. We want people to be committed to Nottingham. Whilst we're doing that, Ilkeston and Mansfield, not to draw back from there. But all I'm saying is God is leading us into the moor. And some of you guys are very astute and say you're taking too much on. Well, in the natural, yeah. But with, with, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things... Oh, anybody hearing me? With God, all things... I'll say it again. With God, all things are possible. So we haven't gone looking for this. We didn't ask for it. 
we've, we've not, we, we need legacy to go in again. And I'll talk into that this next year. We've given a hundred grand. We're believing for another hundred because it enables us to do those things. So we've got to believe for some miracles to arise for these things to happen. But I'm just saying that God is leading us into the immeasurably more, the multiplication, the exponential growth. God was able to count it in the book of Acts. And then he says, there's too much. I'll give this up for a game of soldiers. The church was multiplying. We're at hundreds. Can we believe for God to just multiply us in all those locations? In Jesus' name. Well, let's just bow our heads, shall we? If you've never given your life to Jesus...